Many of you know I've been in church leadership now just over 40 years, and I've never seen a more challenging time for churches and church leaders than what we are facing right now. Over the years, I've seen a number of crises take place in churches, and very often the results have been quite disastrous. A lot of anger, frustration, division, even lots of people falling away from God. It's my earnest prayer that the impact of this crisis is going to be completely, completely different. I pray that you and I, and I know we can do it with God's help, we're going to rise to the challenge of this hour. And when we look back, because of the way we responded, how we handled the whole thing, we're going to see a church, not just our church, but all churches, they, they grew or they got stronger. You know, people got actually closer to one another, closer to God, greater unity, greater love, and people did not fall away from Jesus. I believe with God's help, you and I can do that. You know how passionate I am about the power of God. We so need it to see people's lives touch, change. People have so many needs, broken lives, sick and body. We need the power of God and we need a baptism of power. And I pray for that regularly. But there's something else that I pray for that you may not be aware of and has become more prominent during this pandemic. And that is, are you ready for this? I pray for a baptism of love. Yeah, you're probably thinking, yeah, pastor, you really need that. I, I know that I need it. But you see, we need both. We need a baptism of power and a baptism of love because one without the other, power without love, I think would be a very, very dangerous thing. So to help us through this pandemic, I want to look at a truth today of how valuable you are. But not only you, everybody around you as well. Here's a quote that I read. James Garfield, he said this, I've never met a ragged boy in the street, I've never read a ragged boy in the street without feeling that I may owe him a salute, for I know not what possibilities may be buttoned under his coat. I've got to tell you, that quote has got my attention. When I look at people now, maybe they're bedraggled, whatever they look like, I don't know what's buttoned underneath their coat. And so often it's a lot more than we may realize. You see, everyone is of immense value. Some of my thoughts, a few of them come from Tim Keller. Genesis 1, 26 to 27, let me read it to you. God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So Bible says, teaches, every human being is made in the image of God. The words for that is imago Dei. Keep that in mind, imago Dei. And there's three implications that I think are really powerful. You might want to Jot them down somewhere. You know, taking notes just helps you to focus and concentrate as well. <clears throat> the first implication is it impacts our self-image. Self-image is such a huge thing, isn't it, today? People think, you know, I've got low self-esteem, high self-esteem in between. It goes up and down. But this impacts our self-image in a very real way. See, the Bible teaches this. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how low you've gone in life. You are still made in the image of 
God. And that's a fact. <laughs> may not always look like it, but it's still the truth. You see, with Christianity, because of the doctrine of the image of God, we can say to everyone, every person we meet, you are of great value. Because why? You made an image of God. And God makes no junk. Can I say that again? God makes no junk. Nothing that's even second class. John 4 is a very interesting story. Many of you know it. It's the Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, we read about her in verse 18 of John 4. Jesus says to her, um, you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. You know, as a Jewish man, speaking to a Samaritan woman, he is breaking all the boundaries of religion and culture. It's just not what a Jewish man would do. Speak to one, a woman, a Samaritan woman at that. And so Jesus loved breaking down the barriers of religion and culture. And sometimes I think in my own heart, I need to break down some of those barriers as well. But Jesus can teach us on this. This encounter is a rebuke to all human self-righteousness. You know what that means? It means none of us can look down smugly at someone else and think, oh man, I'm better than them. Oh no, we can't do that. That's what the Pharisees did. <laughs> they were always judging other people and Jesus got stuck into them probably more than anyone else. And so we learn that little lesson here from the woman at the well. See, Jesus knew this. He knew she was made in the image of God. He knew she was imago Dei. And he could see a potential in her that you and I could never, ever see. What happens? She believes in Jesus, comes to faith, goes and tells everyone, come and see the man who told me everything about me. And masses of people come to Christ. So here's this reject that we might look down and despise. Jesus sees a potential, imago Dei. She believes in Christ and a mass of people get saved, becomes, if you like, an evangelist. Here's the point. You never know what's buttoned under somebody else's coat. Wow. It's a challenge for me. I don't know if it's a challenge for you, but, you know, and I hope to admit in all of this, you know, Jesus, how do I put this? Jesus never thinks about what we have been. His focus is always what he knows we can be or what we are going to become. You see, most of us are bound, and I am sometimes too, bound by my past and the things that I've done. And we also bind other people up by their past and what they have done. Jesus doesn't do that. He has a whole different approach. You know, once a person has re repented, receives the forgiveness of sins, Jesus cares nothing about their history. He treats them as though they had been born one minute before. You know, I've got to preach again on the blood of Jesus. I don't think we fully comprehend it. You know, when a person is forgiven, they're forgiven. The records are gone. So Jesus doesn't remind them of it. He doesn't even remember it. We may remember it. Others may remember it, but Jesus doesn't. He treats us as if we'd just been born a minute ago, and there's no sin recorded against our name. So we need to offer that grace to other people as well. Now, sometimes, I have to admit, you may have to dig really deep to do this. If you've been really hurt, wounded, abused, and the image of God in that person is seriously damaged, yeah, 
that can be a challenge. But with God's help, hey, maybe he can still help you. I'm sure he can still help you to see the potential that's in that person. The former governor of Tennessee in the United States grew up in a small town, had a single mum. She's known for her immorality. No one knew who the father was. So all his life has grown up, the people in the village or wherever he was, the town, trying to work out who the dad was. You know, who did he resemble? You know, what could they see the characteristics in, in some man? And as a result of that, he really disliked himself. He hated school because he was teased. He would go to church, but he would be the first into church. And soon as I guess the closing prayer, he'd be the first out of church. Well, a new minister came along to this church and he got to the door quickly before this young boy and he grabbed a hold of his hand and didn't let him go. And he said, now, son, whose son are you? Oh, I'm sure I can see the characteristics of your dad. Yep, I can see the family traits. The boy's starting to cringe. He thinks, here it comes. He says, I'm certain I know who your father is. The boy just waited for it to come. And the pastor says, you are a son of God. I see the characteristics of God the Father in your life. God has a great plan for you. Do you know what? Those words deeply impacted that young man. He went out of there with a new sense of self-worth and went on to become the governor of Tennessee. That's his story. That's his testimony. You see, he was Imago Dei, made in the image of God. Can I say it again? You never know what's buttoned under somebody's coat. The second implication of the image of God in others is it should impact the way we treat, well, how we treat ourselves, but also how we treat other people. <laughs> All right, confession time. If I'm really honest, over the years, when I've seen how some people dress, some people talk, their behavior, their characteristics, you know, maybe they, things that they do that I dislike, I've found myself judging them. Now, I hope I'm getting better, and I know some of you are far better than me at this, and you are far more loving and far more caring and far more kind. So I'm hoping to grow and develop in that area. So listen to James 3, verse 9 and 10. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Did you hear that? We curse human beings made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. It's always been a challenging verse, isn't it? Hey, we speak ill of people. We even yell at people. We sometimes despise people who have been made in the image of God. Now, C.S. Lewis, that great, great writer, he said this, there are no ordinary people. Can I repeat that? There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to an ordinary person. See, Lewis goes on and he says this, the weight of your neighbor's glory is a burden you should put on your back every day. Wow. The weight of your neighbor's glory should be a burden I put on my back every single day. You know, in this challenging season, you and I are being, we're needing to dig deeper than ever before to love, 
to respect, to be understanding, to show kindness. But here's a thought for you. This is the way I'm treating this time. This is, to me, a fantastic opportunity to grow in some of the greatest graces found in Scripture. I want to grow in love, kindness, caring, understanding, and respect for all people. I think I've said it before. I hope I'm making some progress along the way because these are the treasures of darkness. It's time for the church. It's time for you and I to shine because that will be a great witness to the world. And I believe we can do this. And I have many of you, I can see many of you are doing this already. And I, I want to say thank you. <laughs> thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness to one another. Thank you for your understanding and not judging. It's, it's, it's a great testimony. It's maybe the greatest testimony that you and I carry. Can I just mention something else about this pandemic? You know, there's, there's a bigger issue at play here than just the pandemic. There's always spiritual forces at work. From the beginning of the church, one of Satan's major goals has always been to bring division in the church. Because he knows if he can do that, he'll weaken the church, and its ability to advance the kingdom of God will diminish. So there's a, a bigger story, if you like, at play right now. And that is the enemy's attempt to bring division. But I thank God, I thank God that Church Unlimited is called to bring unity to the body of Christ. We, you and I, we are champions for unity. And I think we can model this in Church Unlimited as, as an example to all the churches that are around the nation. Every person that comes across my path, every person, I need to treat with sacredness, reverence, kindness, never writing anyone off. And how easy it is to do that, oh my goodness. But I'm learning, even, even now. Look, even now, when I walk past a homeless person or someone, a beggar on the side of the road, my attitude's changed. I don't now kind of think, gosh, you know, how did they get themselves into this mess? I'm starting to think, I don't know what's under that coat. I'm starting to think, Imago Day. That person is made in the image of God. Honestly, it just changes the whole way we think. And the reason we write someone off <laughs> is because we don't practice the image of God in them. It's such a radical doctrine. This is really radical. We, we, we struggle with it. We, we, don't, we don't even really understand it or we, we struggle to even believe it, but it is absolute truth, absolute truth right here from the beginning of Genesis. Let us make man in our own likeness and our own image. Friends, we can't escape that. We can't throw out this doctrine because it's one of the most precious doctrines, I believe, uh, that exists. See, Christianity, I was thinking about this, is by far the greatest religion on the planet. It's far better than all others. Why? Because it gives everyone tremendous value. Tremendous worth. No other religion offers that. Only Christianity. Most people don't think highly of themselves. And so this doctrine of Imago Dei, it smashes that sense of low self-worth. No, no. I've been telling you. I said it last week. You're worth more than all the wealth in the world. Hear me well. 600 
trillion dollars. You're worth more than that. Hey, next time someone says to you, what's your asset worth? Just say, oh, $600 trillion. And they're going to ask, what do you mean? Opportunity to share Jesus. Tell them, Imago Dei, the cost of rescuing one person from a lost eternity. So Christianity transforms everything. So here's a declaration I'd love us to make. Here it is this. And it is this, I am of incredible worth. I am of incredible and infinite worth. There it is. I am of incredible and infinite worth. Why don't you say it with me twice? I am of incredible and infinite worth. Say it again. I am of incredible and infinite worth. I hope you didn't fall off your chair if you were sitting down. Just a shock of it. What about another one? I am made um, in the image of God. I am made in the image twice. I am made in the image of God. I am made, hey, look at it in the image of God. Wow, absolutely fantastic. The third implication, my last one. Don't look for your value, your self-worth, your dignity, your identity in your work or anything else. It's a massive trap of the enemy. You see, what happens, you take a good thing like work and then you make it so important that it becomes the basis of your whole significance, becomes the basis of your whole self-worth and of your whole existence. So you turn it into a worth factor. The problem is, when you do that, your work will crush you. It'll drive you into the ground. And let me tell you, even when you succeed, you still won't feel of any more worth. You'll think, I've got to achieve more. You know, right now, I've been on this road a number of years. <laughs> Often say I was around in the days of Noah. I don't feel any more of any more worth today than when I was an unknown missionary in the Philippines when I was an assistant pastor in another church, when Church Unlimited was smaller and only had one campus and not seven. I don't feel of any more worth now than I did then. You see, worth doesn't come from the things that we achieve. God created us in such a way <laughs> that the only thing that can give you a sense of worth is your relationship with God and knowing that you are Imago Dei. So many, of us, so many of us think, I need to do more. I've got to achieve more. I've got to do more for God. We're obsessed with function. Function is the whole thing. But most theologians agree from Genesis that it's not all about function. It's actually the foremost thing is about relationship. And we have to connect with God and with other people. But function is our obsession. <laughs> it's how we determine how valuable or important someone is. So, hey, don't we often do it? Oh, what do you do? Really? They tell you, you assess their value. Don't you? I mean, how bad is that? How wrong is that? Look, a CEO is of no more value than the garbage collector. A doctor is no more value than a shop assistant. I could go on and on. We are friends of all of equal value, imago day. The only challenge is what do we do with the image of God that we have been made in? But that's a different sermon all together. Whatever your reason for your worth, you then have to achieve it. So then it's, it's a crushing weight. So you've got to be brilliant. If that's your worth is based on that, you've got to be brilliant. Or you've got to be beautiful. Hey, I'm be beauty is what I've got to have. You've got to be more beautiful. Or you've got to be successful. Or you've got to be wealthy. Whatever you treat as your identity factor, you've got to go out and achieve it. It's a crushing weight. Can I just say, don't go there. Many of you will know, or some of you, this famous singer, Madonna. 
And she was interviewed for Vogue magazine a number of years ago, and I want to quote what she says. She said, my drive in life is from fear of being mediocre. A lot of people like that, aren't they? That's always pushing me. I pushed past one spell of it, and I discovered myself to be a special human being, but then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended and probably never will. Is that a statement or what? See, all success in the world, all the fame and fortune in the world could not satisfy the deep inner need to feel of value because only God can give us that. You know, Christianity offers us something that no other culture offers. Every other culture, religion says, do this, do that, do the other thing, you'll be accepted. Christianity says, no, believe in Jesus and what he's done and you're accepted. Then you're free to do the good. You're not doing the good to be accepted. You're already accepted. It's completely opposite to most other religions. So here's the next question. Is why is there so much violence, injustice, treating people unkindly, abuse? Why is the image of God and other people constantly being trampled on? I read this. I heard this. You know what the answer is? Because the image of God has been broken in me and broken in you, so we don't honor it in others. The more God heals the image of God in me, the more I can acknowledge and value and honor the image of God in others. So next time you get a chance, look at your children again, (laughs) your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors, your fellow workers or Christians. They're all made in the image of God. They all have great value, and you just don't know what's under the coat. So let's not trample the image of God in other people. As I said before, God makes no second class, no junk, no inferior. We are to honor the image of God in other people. As I wrap this up, can I encourage you? Can I encourage me? If you think this message is stirring, I'm telling you it stirred me. I'm not successful in all of those areas. I'm far from it, believe me. But I've seen something. I want to keep working on it. I've seen a Margot day. Every person is made in the image of God. From the person that I might normally despise to the person that I might esteem the highest. In God's eyes, they're all of equal value. And I want you and I to make a decision today in the midst of this pandemic when the temptation to not do these things is so high, let's decide today that we're going to treat everyone, and I say everyone, with love, with respect, with kindness, with understanding. And friends, as we do that, our church and other churches will be more united than ever before. And that would be a great achievement. That would, that would I guess, refute the one big goal, one of the biggest goals that the enemy has got in mind and trying to achieve during this pandemic. It's my prayer, and I'm praying that Church Unlimited and all churches in New Zealand, we're going to come through this pandemic when we look back that the church grew stronger and stronger, became a greater light and a witness to the world. It grew in love. It grew in unity. It grew in reaching out 
with God's love to other people. Genesis 50 verse 20, this is a paraphrase. What the enemy meant for evil, God turns it for good. My goodness, he's gonna do this, friends, in this pandemic. Whatever you might be going through, God's word is true. He's gonna turn it for good. And also, Romans 8, 28, we've heard it from me so much, it's a fortress we need to live inside. All things work together for good for them that love God. You, my friend, are imago Dei, made in the image of God, and it doesn't get any better than that. Amen. All right, just a short response today. I'm not going to go too long on this. A few thoughts that I want to share, just pray for you maybe. I've just said it already, you are made in the image of God, but maybe you don't feel that. Can I repeat, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how low you've gone, how despised you might be by people, how abused you've been, it does not matter. You are Imago Dei. I want to pray that God will use this message and hey, other things as well to help you know and appreciate that you are of infinite value, of infinite worth. Make no mistake about that. Father, I pray for every person that's tuned in to this message. Oh, great Holy Spirit. Great Holy Spirit, the only one who can change and transform us. Would you put a new deposit of truth inside each and every one of their hearts that they'd begin to see that they are imago Dei. Lord, that they are of infinite value and infinite worth. And Lord, they are the apple of your eye. Would you improve or increase, <laughs> develop, grow our own sense of self-worth and self-image? Holy Spirit, please, would you do it for me? Would you do it for every person that's watching today? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Second thought is, don't fall into the trap of determining your worth, your identity, your value by what you do, by what you look like, by your wealth, by your status, by who your friends are. Oh my goodness, that is such a trap. It will crush you. Don't go there. You are of infinite worth, full stop. That's the truth. I'm backed by the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and by the Bible. My last thought is this. Let's ask God to help us treat every person in a greater measure. We're not going to get this perfectly done, obviously, from one message. Hey, look, I haven't got there myself. But let's ask God to help us as we move forward and as we go through this pandemic to increasingly see the image of God in every person and to treat them accordingly. With God's help, I'm confident you and I, Church Unlimited, all churches, we can do this in Jesus' name.